We are fortunate to have Daniel preach today. And I sent him a bunch of resources that I thought would be really helpful for his sermon. And he said, I'm not going to use any of these. <laughs> Daniel knows his own mind. He knows what's up. Let's, uh, let's pray for Daniel just while he gets ready there. Well, we thank you so much for Daniel. We thank you for uh, his role as board chair of this church. We thank you for his leadership in a, what has been quite a busy and tumultuous year. We thank you for all the ways that you reveal yourself to him, and we pray that we humbly receive what he has to share today. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, James. Good morning. I'll get into what I had planned. My name is Daniel, and I'm excited to be here this morning as we continue to work our way through the book of Exodus together. Uh, today we find ourselves in chapter 3, where Moses sees a burning bush. And upon investigation, finds himself, himself on holy ground in the presence of God, his father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What I want to focus on this morning is what God chooses to be the first thing that he does after identifying himself to Moses. Starting in verse 7, God speaks. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God's first order of business, after identifying himself to Moses, is to tell Moses that he sees the misery and hears the cries of the Israelites. He has turned his ears and focused his attention on the cries of those who are suffering, those who are in pain, those who are being abused, and those who are being oppressed by empire. This past Friday on September 30th, Canadians recognized both the second annual National Day of Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day in recognition of the harm the residential school system did to Indigenous children and in honor of the survivors of residential schools, their families, their communities, and the children who never returned home. It's important for us to know that the indigenous children in Canada were stolen from their families throughout our country's history, from at least the 1880s up until the 1990s. These children were emotionally, physically, psychologically, and sexually abused in residential schools set up by our government and run by our church, the church. They were not fed enough. Estimates of the number of children who died and bodies found in unmarked graves across the country at these schools are currently in the thousands. Um, there's some disagreement, anywhere from 2,000 up to 6,000. It's a lot of bodies. Indigenous peoples in Canada have unquestionably suffered. The pain is immeasurable and the abuse is real. Indigenous peoples were oppressed by empire, 
and that empire was the government of Canada and the church. Last year, Cole spoke to us during the week leading up to Orange Shirt Day and the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. I would highly recommend going back to listen to that sermon on YouTube or Facebook. Cole spoke about how sin is more than the individual actions between individual people, but is also a collective and systemic reality that plagues our world. What happened in residential schools as part of the residential school system is sin. We, as settler Canadians, are collectively responsible for this sin. We, as the church, are collectively responsible for this sin. We have to rec reckon with that, and we have to own that. Um, but I, I'll just redirect you to Cole's sermon. You should go listen to it. It was September 26th of last year. It's on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. Uh, but this message of sin is not the main focus of today's sermon, but I think it's important to acknowledge. Today is about aligning ourselves with Yahweh. Yahweh is God's name that he shares with Moses at the burning bush. And most of us have probably heard this translated as, I am. But it might be better translated as, I am and I will continue to be, or I am and I will. But God is the same today as he was yesterday. God is today, in regard to the suffering of Indigenous peoples in Canada, exactly as God was yesterday in regard to the suffering of the Israelites. What does God do in response to that suffering? As it's happening, he sees and he listens. He sees the misery of the Israelites and listens to them crying. He is concerned with their suffering. In the same way, Yahweh sees the misery of indigenous peoples in Canada and hears their cries. He loves them and is concerned for their suffering. As Christians, we like to focus on being the hands and feet of Jesus, as we should. But to share in the mind of Christ, we also need to share his eyes and ears. To see the misery and hear the cries before moving to action. So that's what we were going to do. Um, I had a aching feeling all week that it was more important to provide space to listen to indigenous voices than anything I had to say, and it grieves me that we can't. Um, yeah, I think part of me because, I don't know, I was raised in the church. Part of me thinks like, ooh, is this a sign from God? Maybe he doesn't want us to hear their voices. But that is ridiculous. And um, it grieves me, and I imagine it grieves some of you, and I think it grieves God that we are not going to be able to listen to those voices. Um, I'll explain about that video in a minute. Um, But I just want to say there are so many resources where you can listen to firsthand stories of survivors. 
The CBC has a number of videos where people share their experiences in residential schools and can be an easy place to start. This morning, we were going to watch a documentary that was um, funded by the National Film Board of Canada about two women who attended residential schools in Saskatchewan. And uh, they experienced much of those uh, horrific things that we've heard about. Uh, but they chose after they finished school and after they got married and after they had children, they chose to go back and work in the same school that they had been students. But what you'll notice is that the strength, the courage, and the willingness to put those, themselves at risk for the sake of loving their neighbor is just so beautiful. There are moments during the documentary where you'll be sad and you might tear up, but there are moments when you will have a huge smile on your face just because of the beautiful spirit that these women have. Last week, Ashley taught us that Exodus is not a story about following the rules. It's a story about breaking cycles of violence in order to make room for flourishing. Another way she put that was death to life, resurrection, the way of Jesus. The women in the video that I know you're going to go home and watch were oppressed. And they went back to that school where the next generation continued to be oppressed. And that reminds me of Moses returning to Egypt. But those two women are incredible. Their strength, their courage, their willingness to put themselves at risk for the sake of loving their neighbor is beautiful. These women returning to the school where they were oppressed and the next generation continued to be mistreated reminds me of Moses returning to Egypt where he narrowly escaped death twice and where his people were still enslaved. These women, who I'm sure had been presented the gospel by the very people who enslaved, abused, and starved them, saw and heard the misery and the cries of those who were suffering, their families and friends, and chose to break the cycle of violence. They chose the way of Jesus. Every time I watch this documentary, and I've watched a number of times, like four or five times this past week, I see the spirit of God in these women. And I smile. Like Rahab in Jericho, they participated in God's way. But did you catch what Anita McLeod said at the end of the video? About the settlement that they received, she said, it doesn't ease anything. She's still suffering. Indigenous peoples in Canada are still suffering. The long-term effects and generational effects of trauma did not end with the last residential school closure. Indigenous peoples in Canada are still suffering from the lasting impacts of the residential school system. Across Canada, Indigenous people suffer higher rates of depression, suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, homelessness, and food security, as well as lower educational outcomes and income levels. I'm going to repeat that so that we can bear witness to that truth and so that we can see and hear as God sees and hears. Indigenous people across Canada still suffer higher rates of depression, suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, homelessness, and food insecurity, 
as well as lower educational outcomes and income levels. God sees and hears that suffering, and he wants us to see and hear it too. So what's next for us? God is moved by suffering, and God uses people to bring about change like he used Moses, and he used these women. So shouldn't we start doing that immediately? On one hand, yes. Uh, we should be working for justice, healing, and reconciliation as we have been called by God and we've been invited to by our neighbors. If we were to ask God the same questions that Moses did, but who am I and who are you? God's answer would be that he will be with us like he was for Moses and to remind us of all that he has already been revealing about himself and character throughout scripture, which by the way, Moses didn't have. And for the women in the video, uh, they were taught that directly by their abusers, which um, is crazy. So yes, on one hand, immediately, we should all be doing that. We should be supporting justice, healing, and reconciliation in our country. But on the other hand this morning, I actually want us to stop ourselves from asking what's next and immediately jumping to action. Instead, the main takeaway this morning, and the reason I showed you that very long video, is simply to see and hear, to see the misery, hear the crying, and be concerned for those people and for their suffering. That is the truth part of truth and reconciliation, to acknowledge it, to see it, to hear it. And from here, we will be moved to work towards reconciliation. I think it's important to remember that Moses was an Israelite. God didn't go get someone who wasn't an Israelite to go and save the Israelites. So as we are moved to action, um, I think we need to remember that we are not being moved to be the ones to save indigenous people from their current suffering. But we can come alongside them and do what they've asked. So my challenge for myself and for you is to take time this week to listen to more stories about what Indigenous people have gone through and what they're still going through. There are people to meet, stories to hear. There are podcasts to download and YouTube videos to watch. Listen to what our Indigenous neighbors want and what they are asking from us as Canadians and as the Church. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 98 calls to action might be a good place to start. So as I close, I encourage us to be people who share the eyes and ears of Christ before becoming his hands and feet. May the cries of the people reach us. And for that means, for us, that means educating ourselves and finding the places where people have shared their stories. May we see how they have been oppressed, sometimes even by us. Then may we be moved as God has moved. And to be clear, uh, there are a lot of people who are suffering and there's a lot of oppression around us um, that needs to be seen and needs to be heard. I'm not trying to limit our focus, but as Canadians and as the church, we need to take some responsibility for the ongoing realities faced by our, by our indigenous neighbors. Instead of planning and fixing Let's listen first.
Yahweh is the same God today as he was in the burning bush. Yahweh is and will be a God who is moved after seeing and hearing the cries of those who are suffering. Let us follow his lead. Let's pray. Uh, God, I just pray that you will um, convict us to go and listen and to go and see and to take that initiative, uh, not the initiative to think that we are going to fix every problem, not to think that we are the saviors who are going to bring your gospel to the world because um, that can sometimes go sideways. Help us just to be your eyes and to be your ears um, as we see and as we listen to the cries around us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.